What's up and welcome back to the Locked On Bucks podcast. I am James Yarko, joined as always by David Harrison. You can find everything that we're doing over at thepewterplank.com and make sure you're following along on Twitter at Locked On Bucks, at the Peter Plank, at jyarko underscore bucks, and at dh82 underscore bucks. We are continuing our progressive mock series here at Locked On Bucks. And uh, after we speak with the Broncos representative, we are going to get to uh, another Twitter question that we didn't quite have time for on Wednesday's episode. So make sure you stay tuned to that at the end of the show. But without any further ado, we would like to welcome host of the Locked on Broncos podcast, Mr. Cody Rourke. Cody, how you doing? I'm doing great, man. Thank you for having me on here. Obviously, a big fan. I've loved the setup you guys have in preparation of this year's NFL draft with all the other shows. It's definitely special. I'm glad to hop on here and be part of it as well. Yeah, it's uh, it's been a lot of fun, and we're certainly uh, we're certainly happy to have the the Bronco representative of our awesome network here on uh, on the show to give the Buccaneers fans some insight as to what the Broncos may be thinking, what they may be doing. You know, in, in all of this, the the grand scheme was to kind of prepare Buccaneers fans for, you know, there's six teams ahead of us. You know, what are these other teams thinking? What's going to happen for for the Buccaneers at pick number seven? So let's go ahead and dive into the uh, the heads of the powers that be in Denver with the Broncos and and kind of recap what's gone on over the offseason for those that may not be aware you know, what were some of the key additions? What were some of the key losses? We know there was the big trade with Aqib Tlaib, and, and he's off to Los Angeles. But you know, what what all have the Broncos done, and kind of how are they sitting as it stands right now? Well, as of right now, the NFL offseason, you know, obviously got off to a bang. One of the first moves that was made uh, in NFL free agency was the Denver Broncos signing Case Keenum. Now I happened to be staying up. I had a gut feeling. I was told that news was going to be happening. The Broncos would be making moves. And I stayed up. It was about 12.45 p.m. Mountain Time when I got the call. And obviously the notification popped up that uh, the Broncos were going to be signing Case Keenum to a deal to be their quarterback for the Denver Broncos. And this was huge because a lot of it was up in the air with whether the Broncos were going to pursue Kirk Cousins or not. And Kirk Cousins was the most sought-after candidate in this year's NFL free agency campaign. And the thing that we were looking at with this whole entire situation was Kirk, uh, Kirk Cousins wanted to be paid a lot of money. Now, John Elway, John Elway is not going to overpay for somebody he believes isn't going to be a good fit for the team overall, or he's going to offer them money and it's either take it or leave it. And Kirk Cousins didn't want what the Denver Broncos had to offer. The Denver Broncos were going to talk and obviously make a deal, but obviously the ballpark range for Kirk Cousins was too much more than the Denver Broncos were willing to give up because they would have to obviously make some moves to create some cap space. And obviously you might see some tough guys get cut in that situation. It was rumored that Emmanuel Sanders would be on the cutting or the trade block for the Denver Broncos if they were to pursue Kirk Cousins. Well, that didn't happen. And John Elway saw enough with Case Keenum down there in Minnesota who had an MVP-type season down there. And a lot of people want to say that the Minnesota Vikings defense carried Case Keenum. Well, they they were a phenomenal defense, don't get me wrong, but Case Keenum had one of the best completion percentages and passer ratings against pressure. And he also didn't have that good of an offensive line, considering the fact that he was pressured a lot. And they also lost one of their best young playmakers in Dalvin Cook early on. So that was huge for the Minnesota Vikings. And we saw a lot out of Case Keenum, obviously, a career high in passer uh, passing yards, touchdowns, and completion percentage. 
that is something that the Denver Broncos need more solidarity at. Now, Case Keenum's a phenomenal leader. Definite upgrade over Trevor Simeon and Paxton Lynch and Brock Osweiler. Those were the moves that John Elway wanted to make. Now, a lot of people were frustrated that John Elway didn't go out there and make some big splash moves by overpaying You know, some teams. We look at the Kansas City Chiefs. They overpaid, in my opinion, for Sammy Watkins, a wide receiver. The Denver Broncos aren't going to overpay for talent. They're going to get talent that wants to be there at the price that they are reasonably right for. And obviously when the time is up based on their performance, they'll get an extension, but Case Keenum was a huge addition for the Denver Broncos here in free agency. Obviously Marquette King, a punter who was released by Oakland, who used to punt against the Denver Broncos. And, and he was a, he was a guy that when he was punting against you, you absolutely couldn't stand him, but now he's on your team. You got to have that little bit of excitement. And I think that's how fans feel about a keep to leave. Obviously they picked up, um, Clinton McDonald, the defensive tackle, former Tampa Bay Buccaneer, might I add, and definitely something I'm eager to ask more about you uh, to you guys about, obviously, McDonald and his role, obviously, with the Denver Broncos in their 3-4 scheme this year. And then they re-signed Todd Davis to a three-year deal, which brings him back. He's a run-stopper guy, but they're still going to address some areas in, in the draft at inside linebacker. But obviously, we talked about key additions. Now we look at key losses for the Denver Broncos. They didn't suffer too many. The biggest loss, the biggest blow to the Denver Broncos had to be on the defensive side of the ball. It was a trade for Aqib Tlaib, sending him to the Los Angeles Rams for a fifth-round draft pick. That was a huge loss because when we look at the Denver Broncos secondary, the no-fly zone, it all started out with T.J. Ward, Keith Tlaib, Chris Harris Jr., Bradley Roby, Darian Stewart. Two of those guys are gone. T.J. Ward's gone, and now Keith Tlaib's gone. And Keith Tlaib is you know, one year removed from an all-pro season for the Denver Broncos. Had, a, had an up-and-down year in 2017. We saw the scuffle with Michael Crabtree against the Oakland Raiders. He served a suspension, and so... The Denver Broncos, without a key to leave on the field, struggled in terms of stopping the pass. Now, you put Chris Harris Jr. back on the outside alongside Bradley Roby, and now you bring in a guy by the name of Tremaine Brock, who played in Minnesota last year, was formerly of the San Francisco 49ers before getting released due to some legal issues. At that point, the Denver Broncos still have a lot of question marks at the number three cornerback position. Chris Harris Jr. made the move from the slot corner to the outside corner because he felt like he, was getting, he wasn't getting the recognition he rightfully deserved by the National Football League, by the voters every year, and even the Pro Bowl voters as well. So he's moving back to the outside to show that he can still, it doesn't matter where he lines up, he can still be in the league corner. But now the Denver Broncos have to address the inside slot corner position, which they think they did a very good job of with uh, bringing in Sua Cravens, who was the biggest defensive move that the Denver Broncos did to bring in a defensive guy, a guy who has a lot of playmaking potential for the Denver Broncos secondary, has the ability to play a dime linebacker and obviously a safety alongside Justin Simmons, a young guy who's on the rise in the National Football League, is very promised. A lot of NFL executives are high on Justin Simmons, and they like his development where he's been. So Sua Cravens obviously coming out of Washington in a situation that ideally wasn't right for him. He says he's very confident about moving forward with the Denver Broncos. He was a big pickup for them, and I'm very excited to see what Sua Cravens can bring to the table for this Denver Broncos defense. When a lot of people are thinking the Broncos defense is going to lose a step, well, I tend to disagree here with the additions of Clinton McDonald and obviously Sua Cravens. And obviously, I think they're going to make one more move at the inside cornerback position. They could be bring back former Denver Bronco. Kayvon Webster was just released by the Los Angeles Rams, who was absolutely filling up on the cornerback position. So those are the key additions and obviously the subtractions from the Denver Broncos in this offseason. And they may have to look at tight end with Virgil Green going to the Los Angeles Chargers. But other than that, the Denver Broncos didn't lose too many guys, and they got enough pieces, I felt like, to upgrade at positions of need. 
Cody, what a, what a brilliant breakdown of the Broncos offseason so far. I mean, the, the team has definitely been active, and and you hit on a lot of, of good points. And I want to go back to one of the ones you first made, and that was with Case Keenum. Um, I wrote in a mock draft just a couple weeks ago that a lot of people don't give Case Keenum enough credit for what happened in Minnesota. They basically say, well, the defense carried him, and you know he had some decent receivers to help him out. Well, there, I, you know, going back to the last Broncos Super Bowl, there were a lot of people who said that Peyton Manning got carried by the Broncos defense and had some good receivers to help him out. But you know what? His Super Bowl ring still shines as brightly as it would if he were just dominating the entire game by himself with a weak defense. So it doesn't really matter at the end of the day. If you get the right guys in the right position in the right systems, it, it doesn't matter who carries who. At the end of the day, the team is going to go for the championship, and that's what they're looking to do. So I think Case Keenum was a brilliant signing. And just from uh, my time in Colorado, so a uh, little bit of backstory on me. My father retired out of Fort Carson, so I call Colorado home from Castle Rock, Colorado, really. But so I, so I know the Broncos environment enough to know that, just like you said, John Elway was not going to overpay for a quarterback. And even if you're not in the state of Colorado, if you pay attention to the history of the Broncos since John Elway stepped in that seat, go back to Brock Eisweiler's free agency season. He, John Elway is not going to overpay for a quarterback. It's just it's not going to happen. And, and that's why I kind of very early on in this process wrote Denver off as a team that was going to get Kirk Cousins just because I knew that the, the, the bidding on him was going to get crazy and John probably wouldn't want any part of it. I think Case Keenum is a brilliant signing, and he's going to fit well in the offense. It gives them a good quarterback that can manage the team. And depending on who they add here in the draft, it could really do a lot of things to bolster their offense. And their defense, like you alluded to, is not as bad as some would say. Maybe they're not as dominant as the Super Bowl defense was, but they're not a bad defense. And then adding guys, like you said, Clinton McDonald and, and moving Chris Harris back outside and, and bringing in Sue Cravens, who I absolutely loved when he came out of the draft. So I think that's a great steal for them to, to get him this year. So, yeah, I, I think you hit it right on the head, Cody. Like a lot of a lot of good moves from the Broncos. And then so. All these good moves, right? Even with the loss of Aqib Tlaib, that defense actually looks better in my eyes than it did last year with him gone even. Where are the needs heading into the draft for the Denver Broncos? So obviously quarterback is the key position too. In terms of backup quarterback, now the Denver Broncos obviously addressed quarterback need by bringing in Case Keenum. Case Keenum is your day one starter for the Denver Broncos on opening day and obviously on Sundays. But the thing is, is there's not a lot of confidence right now in the backup quarterback position currently held by Paxton Lynch of the Denver Broncos. Now Paxton Lynch is a guy that the Denver Broncos traded up for in the 2016 NFL draft out of Memphis. He had a lot of good intangibles that the Denver Broncos are pretty high on early on and, and the thing that really disappointed Broncos fans is that they came into the 2016 NFL season with the expectation that okay Paxton Lynch our first round draft pick is going to be our quarterback well it didn't work out that way the Denver Broncos had Mark Sanchez they traded for him he was on the roster they had Paxton Lynch and they had this under you know seventh round draft pick out of Northwestern and Trevor Simeon Many people thought that Paxton Lynch was going to be the guy that was going to take over for the Denver Broncos. Following the departure of Brock Osweiler and free agency, who decided to take his money and run, he didn't visit anywhere else besides Houston. He left. John Elway's like, bye, I'm not going to overpay you. Peyton Manning retired. So now the Denver Broncos were kind of desperate for finding out who's going to be their quarterback. So we enter training camp, and there's just this competition between all three quarterbacks, Sanchez, Paxton Lynch, Trevor Simeon, and there was no clear-cut winner. So the preseason game was definitely the tell-all. Now, the Denver Broncos, Mark Sanchez didn't look that good. Mark Sanchez struggled a little bit. We saw a lot of old Mark, San uh, Mark Sanchez, which obviously led to him not being on the team anymore. But 
Trevor Simeon came in and he played well enough to manage the game for the Denver Broncos. And I think that was the key thing that they looked at. Because when you go back to the 2015 season, they didn't have a quarterback that really kind of tore you up in terms of numbers and throwing touchdowns and, and obviously like throwing 300 yards a game. You had obviously Peyton Manning in that playoff run against the you know Pittsburgh Steelers, against the New England Patriots in the AFC Championship and against the Carolina Panthers and Cam Newton. They had a guy who could manage the game while the defense was dominant. And that was the formula I think they were trying to carry into 2016. You want to find a quarterback that's going to limit mistakes, manage the game, control the clock, and obviously the defense is going to be dominant like it was. And the defense never really lost a step in 2016. The offense really sputtered. Now, consistency for the Denver Broncos at quarterback was the biggest thing. You had so many turnovers, and obviously I think the touchdown-to-turnover ratio was very negative for the Denver Broncos. I believe it was 19 total touchdowns between three quarterbacks last year, Paxton Lynch, Brock Osweiler, Trevor Simeon. I think 25 interceptions between all three of them. That's not a good formula for winning. Case Keenum is a guy who's a, who's a phenomenal leader. He had a great touchdown-to-interception ratio, and he's smarter. He's definitely more football smart, more, more IQ smart, and he's going to be a guy that Bill Musgrave is going to have to work with now you bring in a quarterback at the, and this is where we get into the draft obviously the Broncos will address quarterback in the draft whether it be with the fifth pick or whether it be later on in the second round uh, there's some potential candidates there but I won't spoil our pick just yet and obviously the offensive line the Denver Broncos need to look at that a little bit I'm a little more confident on the O-line now obviously with the trade for Arizona Cardinals tackle Jared Valdir he's going to be the right tackle for the Denver Broncos they have Matt Paradise at center, and they have, they're have they moving Ronald Leary back to left guard where he was an all-pro for the Dallas Cowboys, and obviously he's going to help out sophomore left tackle Garrett Bulls. Now the question mark is at right guard, and that's led to a lot of speculation. Obviously right now, if the NFL season started today, you'd have Connor McGovern and Menelik Watson battling for that right guard spot. But there's been some talk. A lot of people are very impressed with certain guards in this year's NFL draft, one of them being Quentin Nelson who is an absolutely, I think, once-in-a-few-years type of guard. He's very mean, he's very nasty, and he ragdolls people. And then there's another guy that you could possibly pick up in the second round by Will Hernandez out of UTEP, who has some ties to uh, Broncos offensive line coach Sean Kugler, who just came over from UTEP. So there are a lot of different moving parts there, but uh, I would look at the offensive line and quarterback and obviously getting some defensive players for some depth, maybe at the defensive backfield. I know the Broncos are pretty high on uh, CU quarterback, uh, cornerback Isaiah Oliver, as well as some other defensive backs in this year's draft class. And this is very deep at defensive back, but Vance Joseph and John Elway said they are going to look at inside linebacker for the Denver Broncos in the draft early this year. We could see that in the first round or second round, but ideally I've, I've been high on a guy, Roquan Smith out of Georgia He's a guy I'd be really high on, but I don't think the Denver Broncos are going to pick him at pick number five, unfortunately, and he's not going to drop to the second round. So the Denver Broncos are going to find some guy at inside linebacker probably in the third or uh, fourth round of this year's NFL draft. So those are some needs that they need to address specifically in this year's NFL draft. All right. Well, Cody, I mean, you've you've laid it all out there, and, and – you know, you you mentioned quarterback. Obviously, Baker Mayfield and Lamar Jackson are currently on the board. You mentioned offensive line. Quentin Nelson is on the board, and, and I agree with you. I absolutely love Quentin Nelson. Ever since the moment he said that he wants to destroy his opponent's will to compete, I'm like, that's the kind of guy that I want on my offensive line for the next decade because he just he brings that nastiness that you want to see. But you've seen. Darnold, Josh Allen, Josh Rosen, and the the big surprise pick of Harold Landry all come off the board. So, given everything that you've you've laid out for us, the Broncos are on the clock. 
you know, and, and time's ticking away, who is going to be the number five pick in the 2018 NFL draft? So with the fifth pick in the 2018 NFL draft, the Denver Broncos select quarterback Baker Mayfield out of wow. Oklahoma. Whoa. The, reason, the reason for this is because it all makes sense. The Denver Broncos are very, very high on Baker Mayfield as a player and as a person, and they had the firsthand opportunity of seeing what Baker Mayfield could do on the football field in terms of also being in the film room with offensive coaches. Now, with Bill Musgrave and obviously Mike Sullivan, quarterback's coach for the Denver Broncos, they got a lot of one-on-one time in the Senior Bowl, and he was very coachable. And, you know, there was a report by Andy Benoit a couple weeks ago saying something along the lines that the Denver Broncos coaching staff was rubbed wrong by Baker Mayfield. And that is completely false, fabricated. That is just smoke and mirrors to generate some buzz before the NFL draft. The Broncos coaching staff, according to all those that I've talked to, even guys on the coaching staff, they love Baker Mayfield. They talk about Baker Mayfield, and they talk to his teammates. More importantly, before they talk to Baker Mayfield, they asked his teammates, what qualities about Baker Mayfield stand out to you, and why do you appreciate him as a quarterback? And they say he's a leader. He's a bona fide leader. He's accountable, and he takes the blame on things. He, you know, He's a guy that's not going to shy away from coaching or criticism. Heck, he's highly passionate, highly energetic. We've seen that. Obviously, there's some things he can't do in the National Football League. You can't taunt your opponent. Um, and a lot of people try to make the comparison of J- uh, Johnny Manziel and Baker Mayfield, and that's completely no. false. And, and it's a lazy take, in my opinion, because the, the two guys are completely different. They may be both athletic-style quarterbacks, Heisman winners. They may have that in common, but they are completely different players. Now, with Baker Mayfield, he brings you a guy, if Case Keenum goes down with an injury, He's a guy that's going to come in and command the offense right away. We've seen Paxton Lynch come in for the Denver Broncos on offense when Trevor Simeon or Brock Osweiler got hurt, and he couldn't command the huddle. And that was a big thing that really irked a lot of the coaching staff and has generated this negative stigma about Paxton Lynch right now currently in the media, and a lot of people are not hiring him. Now, with Baker Mayfield, he's a guy who's fast. He protects the ball. He gets the ball out quickly, and that's what Bill Musgrave wants in his offensive system. Now, we go back to, obviously, Derek Carr a couple years ago, You know, the year he broke his leg. He had an MVP-type season with Bill Musgrave, and the Oakland Raiders were so successful in that year. They were tough to beat. They had a good run game, but they also had Derek Carr getting the ball out of his hands very quickly to his targets and that is a lot of what Bill Musgrave plans and intends on doing with a full season to install his complete system now the Broncos entered 2017 under Mike McCoy and obviously the quarterback's coach was Bill Musgrave now they have two different philosophies two different systems Mike McCoy is fired midway through the end of the regular season and Bill Musgrave took over from that point you can't install a new NFL offense uh, halfway through the NFL season. It's it, it's hard to do that. So now Bill Musgrave has the opportunity. He's already got a, a head start on working with Baker Mayfield. They were blown away by his interview. Obviously, the Senior Bowl, they loved what they seen. And they also, this is a telling sign for why they're going to go with Baker Mayfield, that pick number five, barring some kind of crazy miracle. The Denver Broncos sent every every member of their administrative you know executive branch out there to Oklahoma for his pro day they sent everybody and that's a big talent sign they sent everybody to him and to Josh Rosen's pro day and John always very high on him and so Vance Joseph and his coaching staff they've already got an idea of what it's like to work with Baker Mayfield and he brings this energy he brings this catalytic ability to the Denver Broncos offense that gives them life and gives them you know energy something that they lacked a lot of last year if you go back and you watch the Broncos on offense and you watch the quarterback play 
there was no emotion. There was no energy whatsoever or leadership from the quarterback position besides maybe Brock Osweiler uh, towards the end of the NFL regular season on Thursday night football against the Indianapolis Colts. He was the only guy that demonstrated that for the one time. Baker Mayfield gives you that on every single play, every single game. So if the Denver Broncos, Case Keenum quarterback, they if he goes down due to an injury, they're confident with Baker Mayfield, and that's why the Denver Broncos are going to go with Baker Mayfield with the fifth pick in the draft because Case Keenum is 30 years old. He's got maybe five or six years in the National Football League if he could stay healthy, probably before, who knows, but the Denver Broncos with his contract, if things don't work out in two years with Case Keenum, they have an easy out after two years compared to the three-year total deal that they had set on the table. So the Denver Broncos have a lot of different options here with quarterback, and I think that's why Baker Mayfield to the Denver Broncos is the likely move. That is what's going to happen. Yeah, man. I mean, every, everything you said makes sense. I can't even can't even try to f- find a hole in your in your logic. And you know, Baker Mayfield is a guy who's been tied to the Broncos for for much of the offseason, so it, it's not a new name. Uh, I honestly kind of felt like Saquon Barkley might be the name here, uh, but again, I mean, if if the Broncos love Baker Mayfield that much and they've invested as much time as you're as you're talking about and studying him and they're comfortable with him, then you know, if, if you if you believe in the guy, there's no reason to not go out there and. Uh, you 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 probably know the quote much better than I do, obviously, but I think it was earlier, right? John Elway was asked about you know keep how he keeps on you know swinging for a, for a franchise quarterback, and and what do you say? He's just he's going to keep on swinging. Eventually, he's going to uh, connect on one, right? Something along yeah. those lines. And uh, yeah, I mean Baker, if you if you look at the quarterback class, I mean Baker's got as much of a chance to to come out of the group as that guy is as anybody else does. Uh, but this would definitely go against everything I've said, James, where I just do not like the idea of four quarterbacks going in the top five picks. But, I mean, it look, I hey. I tried to tell you. It's we're bringing great. you guys on for a reason, right? And all of you guys are telling me and everybody, every other listener we have, that that could very well happen because of all these reasons. And I've yet to be able to find any reason to disagree with any of you. So, hey, th- there it is for you. I don't know what to say. <laughs> all right. Well, Cody – Certainly appreciate your insight and and making the pick. Where can everybody find you on social media, on the internet, you know, all those things if, if they want to continue this conversation or or even get some more insight regarding the Broncos as a lot of what the Broncos are going to do is going to impact the Buccaneers. Absolutely. You can follow me on Twitter at Cody Rourke NFL. You know, shoot me a follow. I'll follow you back. And that's where you can catch all Broncos news as well as NFL news. I'm an NFL analyst. So I cover the whole National Football League on top of the Denver Broncos primarily. So you can get all NFL news and Broncos news over at Cody Rourke NFL. If you like the podcast, Lockdown Broncos, want to stay tuned on the AFC side of things. Follow me on Twitter at Lockdown Broncos. And obviously the show is on iTunes and LockedOnSports.com. You can catch us all here, as well as the Locked On Bucks podcast. All right. Well, Cody, certainly appreciate some of your time and uh, look forward to having you on again, uh, hopefully sometime soon after the draft, and we can get kind of your take on how the Broncos did. And, and you know, maybe we'll, uh, we'll get together a little roundtable of sorts to kind of talk about the draft as a whole. I think it'd be a lot of fun after all the, uh, the smoke is cleared. Absolutely. I would love that. Thank you guys for having me on here. Keep doing what you're doing. This draft special that you guys are doing over here at Locked on Bucks is phenomenal. It's huge for the network, and people are going to love it. I you know, I love it. I stay tuned to it, and I look forward to seeing, obviously, who, who picks at seven and, and where the draft goes from here. So thank you guys for having me. Appreciate All right, brother. It. We appreciate it. All right. Coming up, David and I are going to touch on uh, one more Twitter question to send you into the weekend. 
You are listening to Locked On Bucks. I am James Yarko, joined as always by David Harrison. Make sure you're following along on Twitter at Locked On Bucks, at the Peter Plank, at Yarko underscore Bucks, and at DH82 underscore Bucks. Make sure you're following us. Make sure you're writing those uh, Twitter handles down because that is where you're going to be sending the direct messages that we love to answer. And David, we have one from Chef that we didn't get to on the last episode that we promised him both on Wednesday's show and I promised him again on, on Twitter today that we were going to answer this question. So do you uh, do you happen to have that pulled up for us? I do, yeah. It's it's from our, our good friend, Chef Aaron, uh, at Chef Aaron 26 If you don't follow him on Twitter, go ahead and, and shoot him a follow. It's it's pretty good time. Uh, so here's what he wrote in. He wrote uh, specifically for the podcast, what are your thoughts on Hoke and Maxi, the defensive back coaches, uh, I think they're a detriment to the progression of Vernon Hargraves and Ryan Smith. It's become clear in my eyes that over the last two years, Hargraves can't thrive under their guidance, and Ryan Smith has been practically ruined with them not knowing what he's best suited as. Uh, Smitty, I think, shows that he's a liability to this defense in general to the point where I think this defense is not the 15 to 20, is not in the 15 to 20 ranking by week eight. I can see the Glazers demanding Cutter to get rid of him. What are your thoughts? All right. Well, my thoughts are this. Um, I can understand the frustration with with Hoke and Maxi, and we've obviously seen some problems in the secondary. We've seen problems with the offense as a whole. I think a lot of things play into this. Number one, you had to address the pass rush. Jason Light has done that. The Getting a legitimate, consistent pass rush is going to, in turn, help your secondary. That's why they always say you build from the front to the back. You know, you could have... Deion Sanders in his prime and Darrell Revis in his prime as your two shutdown corners. But if guys like Drew Brees and Matt Ryan have seven, eight, nine seconds to throw the ball, it doesn't matter. So I think the pass rush is going to help, you know, this the secondary in the long run. The other thing about Hoke and Maxie is they can only coach the players to do what Mike Smith wants them to do in his system. And we heard Mike Smith say last year that he leaves it up to the players, what kind of cushion they want to have. And, and all this, when we're all complaining, you know, why does Hargraves keep having these, you know, eight, 10, 12 yard cushions on these receivers and he's getting destroyed. Then he goes into the slot. He plays that press man. And he was, and you all know my feelings on pro football focus. I don't take a whole lot of stock into their rankings, but for those that do, Vernon Hargraves was one of the top-rated corners in the NFL in those weeks where he played that press man in the slot. So they're doing what Mike Smith is telling them to do. Whether Mike Smith is actually leaving it up to the players or not, what kind of cushion they're leaving or whatever, we don't really know. But to me, it would it would show signs that if Vernon Hargraves is playing so poorly with those cushions, then he's allowed to play press man when he's on the inside, well, why wouldn't he play press man all the time? It doesn't really seem like it's truly being left up to him. As for um, Mike Smith and you know the Glazers demanding Cutter get rid of him, it's not going to happen in season. It's just it's it's not. We haven't seen it before with the Buccaneers. They don't the Glazers don't fire coaches in season. I could see them. You know, this is Cutter's last shot. If the if the Bucks don't have a good year this year, chances are Cutter is out the door. If Cutter's out the door, Mike Smith is out the door. I think Cutter is wise enough to know that if if the team doesn't succeed this year, 
changes will have to be made. Now, if the Glazers give him the benefit of the doubt like they did this year, as as you heard, I believe it was Joel Glazer on um, on Rick Stroud's podcast, uh, Tampa Bay Sports Day, had said that one of the reasons that Cutter came back is because the players played so hard for him at the end of the season. You know, it, it showed that the players loved him. The players believe in him. So should this team go eight and eight and Cutter gets another season and you have a top 10 ranked offense, but you have a defense ranked in the bottom quarter of the NFL, you have 24 and below Cutter knows that in order to get this team where it needs to be with the talent that it has, he's going to have to make changes. So that's kind of my view on, on all of it. Um, I don't put too much of the blame on Hoke and Maxi. I think they can do a better job, but in the long run, they can only do basically what their boss is telling him to do. And if he's saying you need to coach these guys this way, that's how they're going to coach them. Yeah. I mean, I had, I had the exact same thoughts on it, to be honest with you. Like it's it, what it really boils down to is, is how much freedom does each position coach have to do what they want to do with their players. And because we talk about organizational leadership, like Mike Smith is responsible for the entire defense, right? And and it kind of goes back to Jay Hayes too. And and it go, you know, you've heard the players say, like, I'm all, I'm out there doing what my assignment is. I'm out there doing what I'm supposed to do. I hated, absolutely despised it when Mike Smith said that he leaves it up to the defenders in the secondary to decide if they're playing press or not. Like, I, I don't know. I just to me that 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 is a it shows a lack of leadership. To be honest with you, more than anything else. And again, if 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 that is Mike Smith's mantra of let the defenders choose their cushion, then the defense back coaches have to follow suit because that's their boss. That's the, the the mission statement they've been given. So I don't really blame them for that. But I mean, in, in reality, we don't know. Like We're not in those meeting rooms. Nobody in the media realm is in those meeting rooms. So we don't actually know down to the nitty gritty what the dynamic of those relationships are. So it's hard to really place blame anywhere other than to say that's why Mike Smith and Dirk Cutter get so much heat because at the end of the day, we know that those two gentlemen are responsible for everything that happens on their, their sides of the ball. Dirk Cutter is responsible for everything that happens on the field. As far as the firing thing, I'm with James on that. I don't see the team firing anybody midseason. Uh, it just it doesn't really make a whole lot of sense because you're not the only defensive coordinator candidate that is going to be available midseason is uh, I mean probably Brenton Buckner, right? If you're if you're firing Mike Smith, it's likely the secondary is not really doing what they're supposed to do. So you're not going to promote one of those DB coaches. You're going to promote probably Brenton Buckner for uh, for the rest of the year and not for nothing. But if they want to make that move, they can make it in the offseason just as easy as they can make it midseason and give him a full year to evaluate uh, the guys that he's got on the roster. So pretty much agree with everything you said there, James. But great question, Chef. Um, I saw you discussing it earlier on the Lockdown Bucks uh, mentions with a, with another fan. So great conversation there. I, I, I've read every single one of those. You guys were definitely tearing it up in there. I really didn't have much to add to the conversation. So uh, good question, though. Um, so we really appreciate it. Yeah, and, and like we said in the last episode, make sure that you're sending in your questions or, or topics or opinions or anything and we will do our absolute best to make sure that it gets addressed on on an episode. It may not be immediately, you know, like poor Chef here. He was a victim of, of our time constraints, <clears throat> so he had to wait an extra episode. But, Chef, we promised you that we would get you, just like we'll get to every single one of the interactions that we get. So make sure you're sending in those DMs to at LockedOnBucks and at the Pewter Plank. You can also follow us, follow us individually. I'm at jyarko underscore bucks. 
David is at DH82 underscore bucks. And make sure you're following everything that we're doing over at the pewterplank.com. We are still running our daily draft profile series one prospect a day names you may have heard of names you may not have heard of guys that could be taken in the sixth round guys that could be taken at six overall and break the hearts of buccaneers fans everywhere so make sure you're checking all of that out hope all of you have a wonderful enjoyable safe weekend enjoy the fact that the tampa bay lightning are up one games to none against the new jersey devils and game two is saturday at three o'clock so you know i'll be glued to that tv and i will be interacting with all of you on twitter during that for david go abs it would be great to see them come out with the upset so have a wonderful safe and happy weekend everyone and thanks so much for joining us right here at locked on bucks <laughs>